Welcome to On the Bench. Uh, much to my chagrin, I am not allowed to start off this podcast singing ba 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 baran. Right, Josh? Right? I, I I nixed that. You did very uh very quickly and swiftly without messing around. Too, I thought it would have been funny, but here we are. So the whole crew of On the Bench is here. I'm Brendan Sinone. You heard Josh Newberg already. Zach Blostein, Chris Knee have peeled themselves off. From the bench, which they were partially melted on from the past week. Uh, have you guys hit the wall yet? Zach, you seem a little tired. You seem a little cranky. Not cranky. Um, but <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. But yeah, I am a little bit tired, but we're still we're still chugging and and producing a lot of content. Um, so I take this over quarantine any day of the week. Chris, he's cranky, right? No, no, he's not cranky. He's in a good place. Zach just was zoning yesterday. Zach's put in more time than I have, and I feel like I've lived out there. So he has every right to be. But yesterday felt like three days in one because we had official visitors leaving in the morning. We had South Florida foursome of schools camping in the early midday. Then we had a little bit of a show up time for the evening camp. Then we had the evening camp and then we had a little bit of follow up after the evening camp. So kind of that official visitors, first camp, second camp felt like three days in one. So yesterday was another long day. I think me and Zach have been out there at least till about 7.30 p.m. every single night in the last about 12 days. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, it's not like there's nothing else going on either. Not like this was one long day for you guys. Uh, earlier in the week, there was the big man camp, 7-on-7. Seven seven. We'll get into that as well, plus consistent flow of visits uh, too. So yeah, there, there's a lot to go through. It's almost so much like I can't even keep up for what we want to put on here on the bench because there's so much information. There's something that if you miss a day or two... Uh, you're behind. So reminder, check out Knowles 24 seven. If you're not subscribed yet, I really recommend this is a time to do so because the recruiting content is just being spit out constantly. It's frantic right now. Let's get to the official visitors though. There are five there uh, throughout the weekend. Let's start with Dodgy Richardson, the offensive lineman from, well, from Tallahassee now in Miami playing for Miami central, a high priority offensive tackle type for FSU. Chris, you caught up with Daughtry. Uh, please fill in the listeners on, on what you gathered from talking to Daughtry. I mean, he's from Tally, so he's familiar with the place, but he did very much enjoy getting back to home, seeing it, seeing how it's evolved in the time since he left here. He played at Miami Edison a year ago. He'll be at Miami Central this coming season. FSU or Miami is probably going to be his destination in the end. So he's either going back to his old home or staying at his new home is how that recruitment is going to play out. As far as the official, he enjoyed himself. He spent time around guys like Marie Smith and some of the other offensive linemen, including guys from South Florida. They went to District 850, as did all the official visitors had a little fun there. He mentioned, you know, bowling and axe throwing. I I had a little fun with him and asked him which one he was better at. Um, You know, spent a lot of time with Alex Atkins. Obviously, Atkins is always going to focus heavily on his positional guys when they're here for an official visit. Him and Daughtry have a good relationship. From what I understand, Daughtry's done a good job of kind of opening up and becoming much more talkative and much more comfortable in having those conversations and doing well with him. And him and Atkins have that relationship where they're able to do that. But Daughtry enjoyed himself a great deal. He He's steadfast about committing on July 26th. That date is not changing. Uh, as I said earlier, I think it's going to be an FSU-Miami battle in the end. He does have an official coming up to Kentucky before he goes to Miami. He was at Arizona State last week. FSC is going to be in this thing until the end. They've done a very good job recruiting him, and it's abundantly clear that he likes it a lot. He's very comfortable coming back to Tallahassee. He told me he still has three sisters that live in Tallahassee, so there are still ties immediately in the area as well. I'm sorry if I missed it, Chris. Did you say his commitment date, what it's set for right now? July 26th. All right, there we go. Did, did you say it or, or did I, I miss did it? say it. Okay, my my bad. Uh, let's move on to Alu Ba, the FSU offensive line commitment. Uh, he basically declined interview yeah he's not a talker he doesn't enjoy talking he you know didn't talk a whole lot after his commitment he didn't talk after this visit uh he was up here with both of his parents had a good time from the feedback i got in talking to some people associated with the visit on sunday you know they feel good about where things stand with him he's actually being a pretty on social media outgoing recruiter for fsu you know hitting up a guy like kevin coleman for example telling him you know this is a place for you that's kind of how he is, but he looks good. His body's reshaping in a good way. I think IMG has been a great thing for that young man in the sense of getting in a better place, you know, and talking to people that were tied to the visit that hosted him, that dealt with him during it. It definitely seemed as though everything went smoothly. There's no real concerns there. Uh, this is a buy for me. Buyer Sinone serenading Aluba with the Beach Boys. 
I was fine with it. Corny is sort of the game. I mean, there's different degrees of corniness in college football recruiting and whatever. Have fun with it. Do what you want to do. Enjoy yourself. I'm good with it. I I don't care about internet trolls. That That's meaningless to me. Uh, the UF fan base is mean to us. Hey, Zachary, we got four-star running back Terrence Gibbs from Winter Park, Central Florida, coming up for an official visit. You caught up with Terrence. Uh, one, uh, can you recap how the visit was for him? And two, uh, present what the significance of getting him up was because that was a nice development that happened later on uh, in this process. He took a visit to UF in that first week and then did an exit interview and basically said the Florida State visit was canceled. Leading up into this weekend, this past weekend, he um, rescheduled that FSU official, made it in, um, and we were hearing from some sources that, you know, it seemed like he liked it more than he thought he would. Uh, I'm not going to come on here and say that FSU is his leader. He's 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 a surefire guy to Florida State, but I think um, he kind of says it in the interview that they're firmly in that top group. Um, I think top five is what he outlined within the interview. Florida is con- you know considered the the top competition for him. He's named them his leader in the past. I asked him specifically about that in our interview. He didn't he said he doesn't necessarily have a leader right now and everybody's just steady so i guess if you want to take that um coming out of the weekend that's a good development the fact that he's no longer naming uf his leader he's going to make it to i believe tennessee and florida um, are the next two officials for the rest of the month and um you know i think florida state did a good job of, of getting themselves uh positioned well within his recruitment yeah, and he went to LSU last week and just had for Zach. One of the big questions with Gibbs, he's coming off a torn ACL. So I don't think he did much this past spring. And obviously he did not play last season because of the injury. So I think there are some questions about, is he still the same player? What does he look like? How is he going to move? Things like that. FSU running back recruiting is kind of tough to decipher at times, at least for me. But I think Gibbs is thoroughly in the mix. I, I think uh, Javante Burns from out in Las Vegas is a guy that they love, they value. I think if they could pick anybody right now that has been on campus so far in June or that they know for a fact is coming in June, I think he would be one. But I think uh, this young man, Gibbs, as well as Jalen Glover, are two other names to know. Demari Alston dropped in for an unofficial. I think he's on that board. I don't know. I don't believe he's ahead of any of those three I just mentioned. I want to pull in Josh real quick because I was going to ask him something similar to what you were talking about, Chris. Josh, I know your ears perked up uh, when Terrence Gibbs was mentioned as an official visitor earlier in the week. Can you grasp or come to some kind of conclusion of what FSU's running back board looks like right now? Well, I think it's kind of growing and morphing as we see guys come on campus. Um, We saw Jalen Glover on campus early and often. We've seen Damari Alston there as well. Um, And now Terrence Gibbs kind of throws a wrench into what we thought we knew of the main guys on the board. He's a guy that you got to certainly pencil in there among the other names that I mentioned. And then Katron Allen, we got to see if FSU can get him up on campus this month. If so, then he's in that group as well and probably up up amongst the top. Um, It's a it's a very fluid recruiting board, as Chris would like to say. And, you know, as it should be, they have one spot remaining. There's a lot of good backs out there and FSU is trying to figure out who the best one is. I can't forget about uh, Javante Barnes as well. Javante Barnes is from Las Vegas. He made it into Midnight Madness on an unofficial visit. We expect him to possibly be back on campus by the end of the month and then take an official during the season. So Javante Barnes is another one that's in that group. So, Zach, I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick. Does Fat Man, a.k.a. Katron Allen, make an appearance while we're sitting on the bench this month. I don't know. Based on some things that I heard today, um, I think he could make it to Florida State this week. Still working on confirming that with him. But uh, I think he makes it to Florida State this month if I had to buy that. Ooh, we got a, we got an unsolicited buyer Sinone there from, from Zachary. I like it. And by the way, Joshua, I'm the one who says fluid, not Chris. Get your cliches straight, please. I check all the boxes, Josh, or at least I used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's evolved since then. Uh, his floor has has risen as has the ceiling. Christopher, back to you. Another official visitor was the JUCO tight end from out in, I was going to say La La Land. That's not accurate. Uh, just California. Anthony Lanf- Lanfear, Lanferi, Lanfear. 
Lind- I think it's Landfair. At least that's how I pronounced it. And he didn't correct me. Well, that's good. He's a big kid. He, uh, I mean, he stands out physically. He's very thick, top to bottom, and he's well put together. He said that FSU wants somebody that's long and a capable inline blocker who can also get down the field and catch it. I would describe – he enjoyed the visit. He liked it a lot. He's a kid that's already been in the college game. He was at, I believe it was San Diego State, if I remember correctly, before he went Juco. So he knows all of this stuff. But obviously, FSU is a bigger skill. He said the stadium blew him away when he came around the corner from the airport the first time he saw it. Just kind of amazed him. Something that big, that brick, looks like a castle type of idea. But the way I would describe his recruitment right now is that he's obviously a kid that was basically a 21 who's reclassified to 22 because Juco's and Cali did not play this past season because of COVID's situation. He wants to see what's going to come along. FSU was first. Indiana's in there, too. But he told me, OU, I think UCLA was another one, I want to say, in Arizona or in Arizona State, keeping tabs on them. So there's a lot of schools that want to kind of watch them. He wants to play this year. I think FSU is perfectly fine with playing the long game here at tight end and figuring out who the other tight end will be in this class. And, you know, he's the type of body type they like, but I don't think they exited that on Sunday, that official visit, yearning for a commitment. I think they're perfectly fine with Anthony taking his sweet time to do this, and they're going to stay in it throughout and see how he plays this season and all of that. But big, talented kid, came with his parents. His dad and Chris Thompson truthfully looked like they could be brothers. Uh, from when Anthony told me, the whole family, including himself and his father, very much hit it off well with Coach Thompson. Pretty serious kid. Coach Thompson's a pretty serious dude. That's not a surprise that they would get along well. I believe he's the one that mentioned that Zane Hearing helped host him. And uh, he mentioned that he just and he enjoyed his time. Like, he really liked it. But he is in no rush at all. Okay, lastly, fifth final fish of visitor I want to get to is someone that the crystal balls, if, if they, they weren't dropped already, uh, they were dropped at the end of the weekend. That is linebacker Omar Graham out of Fort Lauderdale. Zach, I will let you take the lead on this one since you're kind of spearheading the recruitment. Did, did you have your crystal ball dropped already before the OV was concluded or, or was that uh, something you did afterwards? I did it, a, I think, a few months back. Um, I think FSU was trending a while, has been trending for a while with him. Coming out of the visit, he set up a commitment date. It's still tentative for uh, June 26. That might get moved up, I'm told, from Omar himself. But he hasn't decided. He said he's going to let me know today as far as when he's going to make his commitment. I think, obviously, that's a good sign for Florida State. Penn State's pretty much the other player in this recruitment. Miami also hosted him for an official uh, the weekend prior to Florida State. But I think it's FSU Penn State right now. He has a visit scheduled to Penn State for this coming weekend. We'll see if that happens. If it does, then those are the two schools that he'll be deciding from. Well, this was ongoing on Sunday morning, and and Chris and Zach were on the bench. Josh went down south a little bit to Bradenton IMG Academy for the NFA 7-on-7 National Championship. Uh, Josh, I want to ask you a few questions here. Let's start off with with following around Travis Hunter. Uh, As good as advertised, as always, correct? Yeah, he's one of the best seven-on-seven players we've seen. Um, just has a great time out there and always puts on a show. Okay, so let's go down the list here of some guys that you actually chatted with. First off, Jaleel Skinner, high-priority wide receiver, tight end, offensive weapon uh, for FSU. I guess what were the big takeaways in talking to Jaleel? Yeah, I was out there at IMG, and what was going on this weekend was kind of like twofold. They had the NFA 7v7 National Championships going on, on Saturday and Sunday. And on Saturday, in a separate event, they had the Under Armour Future 50 going on, which is kind of like a camp combine, um, one day workout kind of deal. A bunch of elite prospects get invited. Um, We've updated it on Knowles 24 seven throughout the day, but names that we've talked about on this pod, AJ Duffy was out there competing on that. AJ Duffy, Javante Barnes were some some of the names that competed in the Future 50. Now. I didn't understand exactly what was going on down there, but those guys were not competing at the NFA 7v7. So I got down there on Sunday um, and it was it was basically the IMG or NFA national championships. And it was a little watered down because of summer visits now, but some of the teams um, that stood out, you know, some of the teams from Boom, who's a Midwest team, um, Obviously, Team Tampa, they made it to the finals. And then you had Cam Newton's C1N team, um, which was loaded as per usual. Kevin Coleman was on that team. Jaleel Skinner, as you mentioned, was on that team. Travis Hunter was on that team. 
Um, it was loaded at nearly every position except for one quarterback. And they didn't have great, they didn't have great quarterback play. They didn't have anybody that could get the ball down the field vertically. Um, and they kind of floundered around. They didn't end up going very far. Kevin Coleman didn't compete on Sunday. He had something going on with his ankle. He was okay, but he was not participating on Sunday. Um, but back to your point, seeing Jaleel Skinner out there was impressive. He is a very monstrous wide receiver. Uh, he goes all of six foot four, 210 pounds, maybe six foot five. I don't know. He's a monster. Um, Jaleel Skinner told me that Mike Norvell was his guy, quote unquote. He really liked what he heard from Kenny Dillingham and Mike Norvell. <laughs> They're just looking for playmakers and he feels like he can fit that role. Um, I guess the biggest news coming out of my conversation with him is that he sounds like he's going to cancel his Arizona state official visit. It doesn't sound like it was going to go on this weekend. And he said, he doesn't know if he's going to reschedule it. He does have plans to take officials this month to Alabama and Miami. Um, I really right now don't feel like either of those two teams are the main threat. I still feel like it's UF. And then maybe the dark horse here is Clemson in all of this. Cause as you know, uh, Skinner is from South Carolina. So he, the, the, I guess not the, the, the confusion coming off of his Florida state visit was when is he going to decide it? He said he made it sound like a, de a decision could be coming soon from him. He tells me that quote, I don't know when I'm going to make a decision. I don't have a timetable for that. I just don't know when it might be one day out of the blue. So, so still, still not necessarily clear every day you wake up. I need you, uh, Zach to go outside and see if the sky is blue, because if it is blue, we need to be on commit watch. If it's cloudy, don't worry. To add to Josh's point, I was told Skinner was a little, I don't know if unhappy is the right word, but maybe perturbed about exit interviews here about making it seem like he was on the verge of committing. Because I guess, you know, that almost certainly led up to other schools blowing him up about it. So he's going to dance in the dark about that for a while, I think, unless he sets a hard date and then goes dark on everybody. Josh, what were they doing with Skinner? And like he was basically like blocking the inbounds. I saw Bud put out a clip of that. Were they doing that frequently? And, and what the hell was going on with that? So very often you see teams innovate in seven on seven and they do things that seemingly maybe don't make sense in real football. Um, and one of the things that we saw Cam Newton's team do is put a guy like a Julio Skinner, somebody who's real rangy, up at the line of scrimmage. So rather than maybe having a safety over the top, they have this guy at the line of scrimmage. And to me, it really made sense in the goal line situations where you only have like one yard to work. It's almost like guarding the inbounds in, in basketball. Uh, it takes away some angles and it certainly takes away the middle of the field, which very often is utilized. Um, but they were even doing it on some some deep passing downs, and it worked. Uh, I don't know if the quarterback just didn't think to drop back far enough because you can't actually blitz. You can only stand at the line of scrimmage and jump up and down and go crazy. But it worked. So, yeah, it's one of those quirks in seven-on-seven. Seven. That's the great thing about seven-on-seven seven is these guys, if you're competing, they're always trying to innovate. And sometimes it makes sense and for regular football, and sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, it was just one of those things that worked. Uh, Josh, did you get to see A.J. Duffy or was he gone uh, before you were able to show up? He was out. Uh, he was flying back to California or wherever he was going before uh, before I got there. He flew out Saturday night. But I did, you know, talk to some people. I talked to Andrew Ivins, who thought that he had a good performance. Um, I know Greg Biggins, one of our national writers at 24-7 Sports, had him as in his top two after the morning session said he stayed hot into the evening. Um, it sounded like he had a much better performance than I had seen when he competed in the Orlando elite 11. I mean, not that he had a bad performance in, in Orlando, but you know, it was just kind of, it was kind of a dull day all around from all the guys. I mean, I thought AJ Duffy looked the best comparatively, but I didn't, I thought he looked uh, from, or I should say, it sounds like he looked much sharper on Saturday compared to back in uh, April when I saw him. Yeah, Greg Biggin sung, sung his praise. They put out a couple pieces off of Saturday. Him, I believe Will Fongoff also was on the coverage. Um, but yeah, Biggin sung his praise. I think he he said he was 
precise and through with uh, accuracy and also the ability to basically lead guys to the spot, which all those are very good qualities in a quarterback. All right, so let's move back to Tallahassee. What was going on after the official visits? As we alluded to, there were... Did we talk about Kevin Coleman? Oh, no, we didn't talk about Kevin Coleman. Do you want to talk about Kevin Coleman? I'm assuming our listeners want to hear about him. Yeah, I spoke to Kevin Coleman. He's the... He's a five-star prospect, the number two wide receiver in the entire country. Uh, Coleman, like I said, was out on Sunday. I spoke to him on the sideline. Uh, he, He was doing fine, but... He told me that, you know, he was really excited to get up to FSU to start off June. That was that was really fun for him and his family. It was an unofficial visit. It sounds to me like Kevin Coleman will probably most likely be back on September 4th. Um, there's a chance FSU could get him in in maybe a July if they do something. He has two visits scheduled in June, one's to Alabama and one's to Arizona State. So we know he's going to get to those two this month. Um, Oregon at the end of July. That's that's what he knows. He has locked in, but he still says he's he's maybe trying to figure out some more July visits if possible. He's going to take all five of his official visits during the fall. Like I said, FSU is locked in for that September four trip, um, and he's slated right now to make his decision on January, or I should say, whenever the All American Bowl is, sometime in early January, January third or fourth, usually. Uh, Kevin Coleman has two parts to his recruitment. I wrote a story up on Knowles twenty four seven today speaking about this. He wants to see these schools. He wants to do his visits. He wants to get to know the coaches and build the relationships. That's really important to him. But also what's important to him is what he sees on the football field this fall. He said how efficient these offenses are and how productive they are is going to factor into his decision. Um, I think he's taking it all in stride as much fun as it sounds like he's having this fall. I still think he's going to be patient and make a a really informed decision in January. And that September visit, that Josh alluded to is the season opener against Notre Dame, which is shaping up to be a really big official visit weekend for FSU. Okay. So let's go back to Tallahassee. Now at the same time, Josh is down in Bradenton covering the seven on seven. Uh, We had multiple things kind of brewing at once here in Tallahassee. Uh, Zach, I'm going to go to you here right after the official visits were wrapped up. FSU had kind of, I guess, somewhat of an impromptu, camp for four South Florida schools that came up and, and you basically had an exclusive or, or borderline exclusive. You're there for almost all of it and, until anyone else realized it was going on uh, a bird's eye view of that camp. So if you can kind of fill in like who the visitors were, uh, who was actually working out and just general takeaways uh, from that, that late morning uh, camp there. I thought it was super impressive. Uh, Florida state to, to get back to their ways and in, in dominating college football, they need to go down and, and win South Florida recruitments. The four schools they brought in for that mini camp, um, the private camp, was Benjamin School, where Jordan Travis played, Deerfield Beach High School, Coconut Creek, and Chaminade Madonna. All four of those schools have a ton of D1 prospects. They worked them out um, for about two hours. I think it started at 11 and around one. And it was, it was just really impressive. They had the entire coaching staff out there. They treated it like it was a normal camp, that that... Um, you know, campers would pay for and, 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 and work out with these coaches one-on-one. I just thought that it paid dividends with the high school coaches as well as the players. All those head coaches were out there. Um, a lot of them are on college tours with their schools, making a bunch of stops, but all four of them came into Florida State that this weekend and and did that camp and everything that I heard, it, it was super positive. Um, I talked to a couple of those uh, coaches cause I'm from down that way. So I know a lot of those guys and, and they were really, you know, impressed by Mike Norvell's organization of, of, of this mini, mini private workout. And I think um, that's what they have to do to, to get into that area and to, into, win some of those battles. They need to form relationships. They got put behind the curveball with, you know, just all of the stuff that happened last year with COVID and, and everything. So getting getting those four schools here, those two power those four powerhouse schools in for that workout w- was just super big. Deerfield Beach brought 37 kids. Benjamin school I'd say was probably on 15 to 20. Don't know the exact count on Coconut Creek and the other school, but I would say total in there was about a hundred and about a hundred hundred and fifteen kids total. It's pretty impressive. 
in addition to who was working out, there were also some visitors around that same time. So, and, and pretty impressive ones. So, who, who are we keeping an eye on uh, at that time? Again, there's multiple things going on. There's guys visiting. Uh, there's guys camping. Some kind of watching the camps. There's a lot going on. But so, who was who was visiting during that time, Chris and, and Zach? Well, Kenyatta Jackson was there along with Chaminade, which was one of the four schools in the stuff that Zach was just talking about. And Kenyatta just toured, went around, actually was doing an interview with the guys and. Uh, a car full of his teammates rolled up and was basically, you know, come on, five stars, time to go. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was good stuff. Um, it wasn't as good as Dante Moore getting rushed out of building, but it was pretty close. Um, Wait, what happened? But, so Dante Moore, the Detroit quarterback that came in on what, Thursday night, Friday night, days are running together to some degree, but late in the week, late evening, they got here like six o'clock. It was a group from Detroit, Michigan, King High School. Uh, they came in late at about 6.30. They left about 10.30. And Dante, obviously, five-star quarterback kid that FSU offered the next day. And FSU loved him. We knew they liked him a great deal as he walked in the building that night. We're talking to him. But before we got a chance to talk to him, and obviously it's 10.30 at night. It's been a long day. We we had hung around basically solely for him. The teammates and him come out and just rush to the parking lot. Me and Zach had a moment where we looked at each other as though this is what we do with our life and this kid's about to leave us without talking. But luckily he came back, gave us a good interview. It was good times. But uh, that that's what you deal with. But yeah, Kenyatta Jackson was there on uh, Sunday and Cormani McLean from Lake Gibson, five-star defensive back, teammate of Sam McCall, all-around good player. He walks in building attached at the hip with Marcus Woodson. His head coach, who just got promoted to head coach there at Lake Gibson, was also part of visit. I believe there were a couple other people with him. I'll hand the baton to Zach because he did a great job last evening of getting up with Cormani about the visit and kind of wrapping it up. Yeah, like you said, Cormani came in with some family members and the coach. We were covering the camp, so I wasn't able to get an exit interview right when he left. But I called Cormani last night and talked to him. And he, he gave some pretty good, cool quotes just about his experience, his first in-person experience at Florida State um, yesterday. And he said that they're one of the leaders within his recruitment, he didn't outright say he, they're the number one school. And he, he kind of said he didn't have an order set in place. But one of the things that stood out from the trip was the 30 minute conversation he had with Mike Norvell. It talked about a lot of important things he said. And it, it just seemed like Marcus Woodson, Mike Norvell both made a big impression on him. He's the number one cornerback, uh, in the country in the class of 2023, according to 24 seven sports rankings. And it's just huge because obviously Florida state has the tie with Sam McCall committed at the same high school um, in the 2022 class, but getting him on campus, I think this is his second visit of the summer. He was at BYU to start um, the month. And I'm told there was a, a connection with um, his high school somewhere. Some person in his high school is connected to that school. So he made it out there. Um, to start the month, but he got to Florida State next. And I think that's just huge because uh, if, FS, if FSU can position themselves well within that recruitment early, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off well. This Another kid that made it in yesterday was Jackson Howard. He's a 2023. He's listed as an athlete, but he's a tight end. He's number one player in Minnesota for the 23 class. He's a top 60 player nationally. I think he's a top 7, 10 athlete, depending on which ranking you look at. This speaks to how busy these days are right now. Howard is a quiet kid. He's not going to talk, and he was visiting two dozen schools in a month. So FSU is just a nonstop along the way. But him, his father, his sister, I don't know who else was with him, but I know they were with him. They come in. They meet with Coach Thompson. They go on a tour. The little sister wanted to see women's basketball, so they went over there. I believe they were trying to meet with Sue. I don't know that they had success. Jackson tours, gets back to the facility, leaves. He did not speak, but he left. At the evening, I think he was actually the last kid out of building yesterday. I mean, we kind of gloss over a kid like that coming in, and he's the best player in the state, one of the best players at his position in 2023. I think it just kind of speaks to what June has been like with this, where we're getting damn near every top target for Florida State for 22 and 23 into the building, but also so many other evaluation-type targets, as well as national targets that are kids that, you know, certainly if they have mutual interests, you're going to pursue further. And that's what a kid like Jackson Howard is. So, you know, you got a kid like Hermione McLean, who is a no doubt top target for FSU mutual interest is there in-state kid, got a commitment from the score already working on another one, working on him as well. And then you got a kid like Jackson Howard, who's from, 
you know, halfway up the map and on the other side of 50 and, you know, he rolls in the building. So that just kind of speaks to how crazy these days have been with constant flow. It's like a revolving door, but somehow they're executing it with support staff and with staff where they're hosting these kids they're showing them around they're spending time with them. Mike Norvell's an energizer bunny that never stops working. I feel like I I'm just impressed by it, having kind of that front row seat of sitting out there and seeing them as they enter, how the day goes and then speaking with them in most cases when they depart. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So the camp takes us, a first camp, the one that wasn't necessarily officially like planned and scheduled, takes us to the late, late morning, early afternoon, a little bit of time to recharge. I, out of the goodness of my heart, go and pick up uh, some lunch for Zach and Chris and myself, you know, but I want to, to treat my boys. They've been working really hard. Did you get a drink? Josh, I want you to hear this and in, in, in kind of play the arbiter for us. Is that the right word? Arbitrator. Arb- arbitrator. arbitrator. Arb- I combine someone who cuts trees and someone who makes uh, de- legal decisions. Uh, Chris goes upstairs, gets a drink for Zach and himself. I come back with the lunch after driving off campus and back to help out. Again, goodness of my heart. I don't have to be there. I don't be helping right now. It's not my job. I'm not covering recruiting. Chris didn't get me a drink. But we're talking about the guy who goes to Publix every single day and gets himself a drink when he goes to Publix. So one would figure when he goes to purchase food for others, he's going to get himself a drink. I'm trying to cut down on Diet Coke. What do you need from me? Uh, just yell at Chris for me. Oh, no. I think Chris is right. Uh, of if course you're coming you from the... No grocery store and you weren't thirsty, you would pick up your own drink. If you are. Yeah. Chris doesn't know you anything. He's out there on the bench working. Hmm. Cheers. Case, case closed. <laughs> I hate everyone. All right. So we get to the late afternoon and the individual camp, the first of three, the FSU is going to have this month uh, begins. Uh, and Chris, there was a, a fair amount of talent there. It wasn't maybe as extensive as even the one from the South Florida group beforehand, but there were some offers that went out for it, some guys that we all kind of kept an eye on. Uh, I was focusing on quarterbacks. You were kind of ranging all over. Zach was helping out as well, but also spent some time on the bench. So, Chris, I want to throw this to you, get a little bit of your thoughts on some guys who stood out. One of those uh, ended up getting offered later on, uh, actually today. Yeah, I mean, Keldrick Falk was there. He's a defensive lineman from Alabama. He actually already had an offer before he got here. He got offered last March. Talented Alabama kid, thought he was really good. Hunter Osborne's another defensive lineman that came from Alabama. He has not yet been offered, but I could certainly see him landing an offer. He's probably going to end up being a D-tackle. At this point, he's like a very thick, strong side defensive end body type that's gradually working towards being a D-tackle. Jordan Hall is wholeheartedly a D-tackle. He's from Jacksonville, Florida, West Side. He already had an offer. FSU was actually his first offer. They got him out to camp. Disappointingly, he was a little banged up during the camp, so he had a so-so day in my view. But it was still good to see him. He's got a great body type. He's a 300-pounder on his frame, good height, talented kid. I thought the best kid, and I didn't watch quarterbacks for the most part, but I watched pretty much everything else inside the IPF yesterday. I thought the best kid at the camp was Grayson Howard. Grayson's a cool name, but Pup is his nickname, and that's a much cooler name. He's a linebacker from Jacksonville, Florida, Andrew Jackson. I, I love his size. He's 6'3-ish. He's about 205. Moves real well. Very good 40. Good broad jump. Explosive athlete. Long-legged. Gets to the spot well. Great length. Whole lot to like. I thought he was the best kid out there. I thought he looked like the best kid out there. He got offered today. 
I spoke to him yesterday about what an offer from FSU would mean. He said it would be significant because it would be his first in-state offer. He's got, I believe it was eight offers before FSU came through the door. Texas A&M, who we actually camped with a few days ago, was one of those eight, had a couple others, but nobody from the Sunshine State. So FSU being first there is a good thing. He uh, he knows Kevin Sullivan, longtime high school coach in Jackson. Kevin's a guy who's, I wouldn't call him pro FSU, but he certainly speaks highly of FSU. He had family members go to FSU. This young man is close to Sullivan. Sullivan almost came out with him for visit. So there's some people in FSU's corner there, but I, I think he's uber talented. I really liked him. I thought he was a very good looking linebacker, easily the best linebacker there, and I thought the best overall prospect on the day. So I was glad to see him get the offer today. They did also pull the trigger on two young quarterbacks at 24 and 25. You sat, Brendan, and watched the quarterbacks more than me, so I will hand you that baton so you can discuss those two young men. It was interesting because going into the day, the guy that I was told by you, Chris, to take a look at was Raheem Jeter, 2023 quarterback, who had listed offers from uh, Auburn, Missouri, uh, one more SEC school that I that I can't remember, but but certainly like looked the part. And yeah, big kid from South Carolina. For sure, yeah. From uh, where's about uh, Spartanburg, Spartanburg. Which uh, if you ever drive up uh, to North Carolina, you know Spartanburg's kind of like the a landmark uh, spot to stop and, and take a little tinkle, right, Chris? Right, a little, little pee break spot. No, don't shake your head at me. Editing, editing, editing. Anyways, uh, but yeah, he he certainly looked the part, but ended up not being the guy who got offered. Uh, Kamari McClellan, who's from Alabama, twenty twenty four quarterback. And then David Belfort, or sorry, uh, Davy Belfort, who is from South Florida, 2025. Those two guys, for their age group, uh, looked remarkably polished, uh, precise, accurate, technically sound. You can tell Kenny Dillingham was was gushing over both of those guys. Now, now he was, uh, to me, specifically going over Kamari McClellan, uh, who was impeccable throughout the day. Like, by far the best prospect I watched all day, regardless of position, uh, he hit almost every single throw that, that they asked him to in the one-on-one drills. And while Raheem Jeter was impressive and, again, looked the part, uh, it was those younger quarterbacks that kind of kind of took over. So they ended up both getting offered uh, at the end of the day. Not a huge surprise if you watch them camp. And I'm sure Jeter is someone they kind of keep on the radar. But but to me, like he, he wasn't anywhere near as accurate, as technically polished as the other two younger guys. So, yeah, that, that'll be uh, kind of interesting to watch those two young, recruitment, young guys' recruitments moving forward. Um, that wraps up what happened on Sunday. Real quick, Josh is coming back up to Tallahassee for the big man camp in seven on seven camp on Wednesday. But we had a big man camp in seven on seven camp this past Wednesday, which Josh came up for. And we haven't even talked about that on, on the bench because there's been so much going on. So I want to try to move through this quickly. Josh, uh, the big deal for last week's camp was that someone pretty impressive. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and say it was, was working out. Someone we weren't expecting to work out there. Well, we were expecting Elijah Pritchett to be in town. I was told by somebody within the Moor the day before that Elijah Pritchett wouldn't be working out. But no, he was there to work out, as were a bunch of the kids from Carver, Georgia. Um, a few of them, they got so many good young prospects. But Deron Reed was another that I watched that really looked good. Uh, he's a four-star defensive tackle in 2023 that FSU has offered and are in good shape for. But um, yes, Elijah Pritchett did work out. Uh, he was out there throughout the uh, hour and a half, two hour session, working out with uh, coach Norvell. I thought that was kind of interesting. He worked more with coach Mike Norvell than he did Alex Atkins. Um, some of the guys at the big man did not suit up in pads uh, due to different rules in different States and different counties. We see this every year. Um, Elijah Pritchett was one of them that did not put on shoulder pads or a helmet. So he worked out with a different group and Mike Norvell was out, teaching one-on-one -on -one offensive line drills. Who's I know when I was watching, I put up a video on Knowles 24 seven, where you can see and hear some of this conversation between Mike Norvell and Pritchett um, working on hand placement and, and getting his hips through. And it was pretty cool to see, you know, he's a priority re uh, recruit when you see Mike Norvell out there, giving him one-on-one -on -one time. There was a few other guys that stood out. We ran some content on Knowles 24-7 that covers it, but uh, Joshua Miller was one. He came in for Virginia, 2023 prospect. Um, there was also a really impressive defensive end named Sterling Dixon, uh, 2024. Was he out of Alabama? Yeah, he's out of Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, out of Mobile, Alabama. So you're seeing a lot of prospects come on campus throughout the time here during the summer a distinct change from what we saw 
the last time we were holding summer camps in Tallahassee in during the uh, Willie Taggart era, where I was questioning why the coaches were even working because there was literally zero offerable players there. Uh, I think there's one or two younger prospects that showed some promise during that summer, but they literally were not getting guys on campus. Now you see Elijah Pritchett, who is definitely a top target in 2022, all the way down to a 2024 prospect who from Mobile, Alabama, that we're going to see each year probably moving forward. So it was a, it was a really good big man camp in terms of just kind of setting the foundation and seeing some guys on the fringe that, uh, that FSU wanted to evaluate. And a couple offers went out from there too. DeAndre Martin, defensive tackle from the same school as Joshua Miller. He ended up reclassifying. He was a 2021 kid who was like two two years younger than than others in his grade. So he reclassifies. So he's still young, but uh, but more so in his age group now. So he gets offered. And then Tommy Kinsler from Ocala Trinity Catholic offered as well. He's 2023 offensive lineman. So yeah, there was good talent. There was some offers going out. There was some like Camp East, really long offensive tackle in 2022. Yeah, I didn't mention him. He's worth mentioning. Right. What'd you think of him, Josh? Yeah. Out of St. Augustine high school there in uh, Louisiana, he's a yak special David Johnson recruit that got on to campus. I spoke to him or, or Chris spoke to him. Somebody spoke to him afterwards. Uh, I did. It's okay. No, it's I thought, all right. I thought, I thought it was bad. Zach. So I was glad it we was... hit on everybody, but Brendan before we got to damn it. It was me. <laughs> all right. So Zach caught up with him afterward. And I think right now, I think Cam East is in this range where FSU is in a good spot for him. If they need to, I still think, you know, Daughtry Richardson, Elijah Pritchett, maybe even Emory Jones, if he comes back on campus, another Louisiana Best prospect. Yep. I think there's maybe a few guys ahead of the board on Cam than, than Cam East, but hey, FSU sits in a good position if they need to go in that direction. It's a real awkward feeling we're having these days where FSU has a really deep board of offensive yeah. tackle targets. Jalen Early. I mean, it's just weird. Like, we we know clearly who they like at the top. They've been after them a long time. They're getting them in for officials, so on and so forth. But there are a lot of plan Bs, a lot of plan Cs, and they're not the type that are just pulling rabbits out of hat. They're guys that they've had in front of them, that they post in front of officials. I don't know if Eston Harris is a plan A kid, but I know he's a damn good looking kid. And he just spent about two and a half days at FSU on an unofficial visit that, you know, felt a hell of a lot like an official. And then they're still going to get him back for an official. So that, that's a perfect example of if a right. Daughtry Richardson ends up at Miami, for example, not saying it's happening, just for example, Eston Harris may be the next man up and they've already positioned themselves so well. And a guy like Cam East is a guy who, as he continues to fill out that frame, he's going to probably get better interest. Plus, with these days in the transfer portal, it's great to have the relationship with so many kids because you never know what might evolve down the road. And they're still working to uncover some guys at these camps, too. Who's the kid from Arkansas that ran the sub five shuttle? Uh, I can't think of the name right now, but uh, he went to Memphis for an official right after it. Um, I, I don't recall he, his did he, name. Did he pick up an offer for Memphis? I'm sure he. I, I'm not sure. I didn't follow up on that after the fact. I just remembered him telling. I hit him up after the camp and told him good job. You know, keep in contact. And he told me it was off the yeah. So there's so and there was a kid uh, at the at the South Florida camp, or I guess it wasn't a South Florida camp. The camp that had South Florida teams uh, from Deerfield Beach that had transferred in from from Georgia. Georgia. I'm blanking on his name too. I didn't write it down on the script. But there's, so there's guys that they're still like vetting and, and looking at, and I'm sure that's what the next couple of weeks are gonna be. As well. Um, at the same time, of the big man camps going on, Zach and Chris were covering FSU seven on seven tournament, which had a nice array of talent. That was a really well run event as well. I got to go out there to the very end. Uh, real quick, I'm gonna throw it to both you guys. Just one player piece that stood out to you at a pretty loaded seven on seven tournament. Zach, I will throw this to you first. I'm taking all day Dre. You mother. <laughs> I know you wanted it. I'm taking it. Um, <laughs> He absolutely showed out, gutsy performance. Um, let, let him know who All Day Dre is, Zachary. Some people may not know who All Day Dre is. How do you not know who All Day <laughs> He was Chris's guy. He was Chris's guy. That's who he I'm was. not going to lie. I set that up thinking that Zach was going to take Gibson and that you were going to take All Day Dre, but whatever. Oh, I knew I knew you did that, but I had to take Dre because I knew <laughs> Chris, if Chris went first, he would have taken him. But Vandrevious Jacobs, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's he's like a 6'1". Um, 170 pound wide out who just absolutely tore it up at the seven on seven tournament. He got an offer the day after um, he, he was literally cramping up. Like I think, what was it like four times he cramped up, got back up. And then like the next play he was in 
and playing for his team again. So it was just really impressive. And he, he was just making dominant play after play. Um, and his team, I think, was like third or fourth or something, whatever, on the day. They didn't, they didn't end up winning. No, they played for the championship. They, they played Coco for the they championship. Won. Oh, okay, okay. Right? I, they, I thought that was West Orange. They, yeah, everything's missing together. I'm going a little <laughs> bit crazy, but... But yeah, what I'm what, what I was trying to say with Jay, <laughs> with you Jake, call, call him crazy, but don't call him cranky. Whatever you do, yeah, I'm not cranky. Okay, um, but with, with Jacobs, he went to Miami a, a few days after uh, the seven on at Florida State. He competed in a seven on down in Miami, and they offered. So he's a legit prospect in the 2023 class at the receiver position, and in the state of Florida, that position is loaded. But I think he deserves to be in the mix of those those top. Um, guns after seeing him compete. Zach, how, how would you define that performance? I already said it. Gutsy? Yeah. I was too busy trying to get in my cranky joke. My bad. He transferred from Westwood to Vero. Smart move in the sense that Vero is going to throw the ball a hell of a lot, so he's going to be showcased a good bit. He's a fun one. So since Zach stole my guy, you know, one who I fell in love with early on in the day, I'll go with Cedric Hawkins, which I know is an upset special because Sinone thought I was going with Jaden Gibson from West Orange, who was also very good on. He the was amazing. He was Gibson. amazing on the day. He, he's long and he stands out because he is so long and he knows how to play like a very tall, long player should play. So that's all very good about Jaden Gibson. I like Cedric Hawkins a lot. Very good, versatile athlete. I think he's a defensive back at the next level. Zach caught up with him afterwards. Plays for Coco. He's a normal Coco kind of kid. They always tend to have some really, really good athletes, really talented kids. He's another one of those. He likes FSU a lot. He's a top 247 kid. He's not in much of a rush with recruiting from what I can tell. Zach may be able to shed a little bit more light on that, but he's not taking officials this month and such. I think he's going to wait till the fall. So he's one of those guys that as FSU figures out their defensive backboard, and we know they're aiming big for guys like Earl Little Jr., and those sorts right now. But if those things were to trickle down a bit, I think Cedric Hawkins, a very nice uh, plan B type guy for FSU personally. Well, yeah, he's also a 2023 prospect. So won't be taking officials this month. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Edit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just, should I just start over at this no, point? You're good. I, for, I don't know why. No, 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 no. I'm keeping in my tinkle thing. So you have to deal with this one. No, but um, it's still early on for him. Like you said, he's not in a rush. You had that part right. And um, Florida State's his leader. He said that. Florida State is his leader early on. Um, they've done a great job. I know Marcus Woodson's involved. Assistant Effie Le- Le- Levy. Le- Levy, yes. Um, I'm not helping you. You stole my guy. Okay. This all would have went – this all would have went – this all would have went so much easier if you just left Jacobs for me. The wheels are really coming off right now. Well – I'm sorry. I had to take him all day, Dre, um, just because of the nickname, basically. Uh, but yeah, but Hawkins, like like I said, told me that FSU's his leader, probably going to be back um, for the Notre Dame game, I believe. Uh, he's close with Travis Hunter. They played some seven on um, this this past uh, spring together at South Florida Express. So um, a guy in the 2023 class to just keep an eye on as as his recruitment progresses. And if he reclassifies, then hey, then hey, he could be I was right all along. this month. <laughs> Josh, how excited are you to come and hang out with this crew right now? You're coming up tomorrow. You'll be me and Zach are recharging right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, I'm here to kind of supplement the energy. I know uh, you know these guys have been out there, so I'm looking forward to getting up there and you know having some fresh feet on the ground, some new energy, some some new eyes, whatever I can do to help out and kind of alleviate some of the we know june was going to be crazy we're in the middle of it we got to get to the end of the month and then it's kind of downhill from here with the dead period and then one week of recruiting and then we're into the season so this is just kind of our stretch run for recruiting this is crazy beyond measure but we're halfway through the month so hopefully i can get up there and just add something to what you guys got going on is, so did it freeze for anybody else when Josh said really? Because I got. I was wondering that was my enjoyable. No, that was that was that was me. That was fun. Okay, I enjoyed that. Good job. I needed that. That was fun. I'm re-energized now. This is so this is such a good time. Hey, I'm feeling very underappreciated, guys. Right now, um, I'm not getting drinks for me. You're not remembering that I'm interviewing. Next guys. time you show up, I'll have not one but two drinks for you. Two. Keep your pity pity power rates to yourself. I'm gonna try to use the company card to buy them though. Ooh, there you go. Uh, a little Amex action. All right, so 
Big man camp at 7 on 7 again this Wednesday. Again, Newberg will be on town in town to help out with that. Indy camps on Friday and Sunday. Yeah. Hey, Chris, the quarterback camp, it looks like it's sold out. I don't even see the date anymore, the way they have it on the website. There's a big banner over us. I believe it was the 18th. I think it's the same day as the Indy camp on Friday. And the kicking camp's also that day. Kickers are people, too. Okay. Yeah, sure. We'll mention that, too. Kicking camp Friday. Bob Ferrante will be there. So the day that June shuts down, what are you doing with your life, Zach? Um, school. Reacquainting yourself with your girlfriend? Yeah. Whoa. Hey. I, I didn't mean like that. So <laughs> get your head out of the gutter. PG, PG-13 podcast here. Let's talk. You want to talk about you yesterday, Brandon? You were in a special. Well, no, no, we did not need to get into me being punchy. Uh, that is X-rated podcast. It's a foot outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new showtime limited series based on the international bestseller for the last four years i've been a prisoner why are they keeping you here starring emmy award winner ewan mcgregor this is the brave new world that you dreamt of be very careful you are still a prisoner here everything in this new world comes at cost this is still my country a gentleman in moscow now streaming on paramount plus only with the paramount plus with showtime plan